Support for Need to Know comes from the Carnegie Corporation of New York, supporting innovation in education, democratic engagement, and the advancement of international peace and security. Learn more at Carnegie.org. Welcome to the Need to Know podcast from the Wilson Center, a podcast for policymakers available to everyone. Always informative, nonpartisan, and relevant, we go beyond the headlines to understand the trend lines in foreign policy. Welcome back to another episode of Need to Know. I'm your host, John Molusky. So even though it's been around for more than a decade, cryptocurrency remains a mystery to many. Is it in the midst of another market crash or in the gold rush stage hopeful investors dream of? Well, Bitcoin alone, one of the more familiar brand names, has seen at least eight significant crashes or market corrections, depending on your perspective, and that's during the last decade or so. And speaking of investors... It appears that many lack any real knowledge about what they're getting into. A 2022 survey by software developer Oxford Risk revealed that more than a third of investors had little or no understanding of the sector when they first got involved. So what do lawmakers and individuals need to know about this digital currency? With that question in mind, our guest is the director of the Wilson Center's Science and Technology Innovation Program, Kelly Wicker. Kelly, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, John. So help us out here, Kelly. Uh, how is it trending? Where are we on cryptocurrency now? Is it in an upstage or is it still struggling? Um, I mean, I would say that we're we're seeing a fall in the winter, but we're, we're not there yet. And a lot of that is due to there's just so much uncertainty about what is the SEC going to do? What is Congress going to do? Where are we heading in terms of um, regulation on this industry? You can't you can't have a blow up like FTX and just walk away and pretend everything is fine. So the regulators are going to do something. The question is just what? The financial instruments we have right now are not really well suited to this kind of framework. And one of the problems is that cryptocurrency was developed to be a decentralized system, but in many ways people are using it as a centralized system. Mm. So do you regulate the centralized system? What do you do with the decentralized side? How do those things interact? Um, so I think there that uncertainty of what does the future look like for this uh, for this tech? That's what's driving the continued kind of slow in people's interest in investing. So before we, we revisit the notion of what legislators can or might do, I want to ask you about just in general, what what is the alleged or the uh, possible upside of cryptocurrency? You know, why why would we pursue this in the first place? What makes it better, better than, I don't know, ATM cards or credit cards or anything, any other ways that we spend money without cash? One thing that's really huge for it is is the use of uh, of cryptocurrency for international finance. So, for mm -hmm. instance, if I wanted to send money across countries, it's really difficult to do that in the traditional banking system because there's a lot of things I have to assume that you have access to that you may or may not have that. Um, but with cryptocurrency, that can happen pretty easily, provided we both have wallets, we both purchased currency, and we both are on the same exchange. Um, and there's a lot of security in that too. You can be generally assured that your interaction, that your uh, investments and are going to be untouched, and um, that when you send money to someone, they're going to receive it. But and and what are the downsides? 
right? I mean, we've seen a lot of things where you can log in one day and you've lost all your value and that there are these different ways to keep your money in different types of wallets, some being more secure than others. I guess with anything that's completely digital, you know, we live in a world of hackers and those vulnerabilities need to be addressed as well. But, you know, what are the types of downsides that lawmakers or just consumers or investors need to consider? I think the key downside is and what where a lot of the other problems and, and challenges stem from is the like the core difficulty of use. So Bitcoin has remained pretty stable and I think that probably is going to continue to be true. Bitcoin was the, the OG in the system and it is it is safe, it is reliable. Um, but actually having a Bitcoin wallet is difficult. You have to remember your string of characters, which is incredibly difficult. If you lose them, that wallet belongs to whoever has them. Um, I'm sure everybody's heard of the the landfill wallet that uh, someone accidentally threw away a hard drive with millions mm. of dollars in Bitcoin now. and you Which know, would be one of the more secure ways to keep your money if you didn't throw away your hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so because it's so difficult, because your average investor or consumer is not going to want to have to deal with all of those security issues. People take these shortcuts. Well, I right. will use an exchange where I can just log in in a traditional thing and I will trust someone like FTX to hold my coins, whatever coins I have, and I will just know that they're there. People are comfortable doing that because it makes it easier to interact. You don't have to have this deep knowledge of crypto to be able to participate in crypto. Um, but the downside is that one of the reasons we're so comfortable doing that is because it feels like a bank. We like banks. I trust a bank to hold my money, and when I come back, it's going to be there. But with the crypto industry, there are no guarantees and some bad actors are kind of relying on you feeling secure because they look like a bank and then finding out too late that they're not a bank. Um, that's the real challenge, I think, is how do we make how do we make this system workable for people beyond just the really niche people who are willing to spend the time to do the really deep crypto kind of stuff? Um, and I think we're going to see this industry normalize. This tech is still really young. I know 10 years in tech doesn't usually, we don't usually call that young, but we're still figuring out how crypto works, what we're going to do with it. And part of that process for every tech is that we have a bunch of people gold rushing, super excited. There is yeah. some kind of blow up. And then all of the, um, you know, daily users who weren't really into it, they leave. And then the next phase is we find out what, is it worth doing something with? And I think that's where we're going to be heading next in crypto is, okay, so that was not a good thing to do. What <laughs> is this good to do with? We did it the wrong way. Now let's try to do it the right way. Right. <laughs> it seems to be. Uh, 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 there's uh, when thinking of the downsides, I ran across this article in Forbes um, from November, 2022. And it estimated that Bitcoin uses 119 terawatt hours per year which is just under the amount used by the entire nation of Norway. So I, you know, I hadn't anticipated that when I was preparing to speak with you that there are environmental implications here. It's not just about the security and technology and hardware and software. Yeah, that is a huge part of it for many people. Um, and we've seen some people innovating in this space on that. Um, another one of the really um, established crypto exchanges and, and protocols as Ethereum. And Ethereum was founded to solve that problem. What if we hmm. found a way to make this still decentralized and still secure, but take significantly less compute and by virtue of that power to, to, to verify. And so I think Ethereum uses something like 
95% less power or something. It, it's dramatic. Um, so there are people who are innovating in this space. So one of, one of the downsides in crypto is everybody has their own coin, which is ridiculous. But as we're seeing this industry kind of come into its adolescence, I think the coins that are people are innovating on that are that are good, that are worthwhile, that are established and that solve some problems people were worried about, we're going to see those coins continue and become actual sources of value and a backbone of this industry. And we're going to see those other coins fall apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and when you say coin, Kelly, just to be clear, for, uh, you're not talking about an actual physical thing. You're talking about a virtual coin. Talking about a virtual coin. It's I think completely you know, virtual. There, there are people who have been, uh, I think, conned online into buying physical bitcoins. Those are yeah. not fiat. <laughs> those don't do okay. anything for you. Then I'll, I'll scrap that ad for those right here. We <laughs> won't talk about. So, moving back to the realm of regulation and public policy, I guess a fundamental question is: Are our legislative bodies up to speed enough on the intricacies of this relatively new technology to be prepared to make qualified votes? That's a great question. And I, th I think I would say that there are a lot of really informed staff on the Hill who are doing the Lord's work on this. Um, but there are a lot of people who don't fully really get it. And really, can any of us say we get crypto? Um, right. But I think in terms of legislating, what what the problem is here is um, it's a, it's the issues that led to the blow up in the industry we're seeing right now are classic issues. It's the same things we see in traditional finance. It's bad actors seeing a system that they can exploit and then exploiting it. So rather than regulating the technology, we need to be looking at this as regulating the people in the technology. The behavior. Yes, know. exactly. So if, if, you know, if, if you're running these exchanges as if you're a bank, you know, feeding on people's willingness to trust you, but you have no, you know, guardrails in place, or if you're saying you have guardrails, but you actually don't, then okay, that's fraud. Like we don't, we don't need a new law about that. That's just plain fraud. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be important for us to see that, but it's also going to be important for the SEC and others to be flexible when they're saying something is a security or not a security. Okay. Well, if, if you make that decision, if, if you decide that something in the, the crypto world is a security, say, okay, now you have to register. Well, are those systems ready for a totally new fight? Can, can you even answer the questions on that form to register properly? Yeah. Um, and can they, you know, are we going to end up snuffing out the crypto industry in the United States because we require such high bar of, of information be collected? Um, I think that's where we run the risk. We need to regulate the actors the way we always have and find a way to not totally squash the technology. Which is a terrific final statement, but I'm going to ruin that by asking you one more question, which is the kind of question I hate to ask my Wilson Center colleagues because it's speculative. And I know that's not what we try to do. I mean, we look at trend lines, but we don't just shoot from the hip, right? It's all research-based. And, and But uh, where is this headed? Do you see this becoming the normal way that we spend money around the globe in the next decade or what, what should, what should our expectations be around cryptocurrency? Um, in my opinion, it will always be a parallel system. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I said earlier, like, I think we're entering the adolescence phase of this where we figure out, okay, what is this good for? And that's going to be important. We will find what we should be doing with crypto, but it, I, in my opinion, it's never going to replace traditional finance. Um, and 
I think that's a good thing. It's nice to have okay. this alternate system that's going to be able to help solve very specific problems, like sending money internationally. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I just, I just don't see a world where we're all just using Bitcoin. <laughs> so it's just, it's another tool, whether it's PayPal or Venmo, or it's just another tool. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I'm less scared of it now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I could help. No. Thank you, Kelly. And uh, thanks to all of you who joined us for this edition of Need to Know. Please visit WilsonCenter.org for more information on this podcast and many others. And also be sure to follow the work of Kelly Wicker and her talented colleagues at the Science and Technology Innovation Program. And you can also find their work at WilsonCenter.org. That's all for this episode. For all of us at Need to Know in the Wilson Center, I'm John Molesky. Thanks for being here and thanks for your time and interest.